We don't want to stop there. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this day and for your precious word. Thank you for using me to impart your message to your people today in Jesus' name. Well, we have seen amazing things in the midst of great adversity here in our city and our state and even uh, adjoining state, Louisiana, the people of Texas have been amazing. Uh, people helping people, loving people, helping their neighbors, loving their neighbors, not waiting for help from a government who will provide help, but and that's a good thing, but It's just been an outpouring of love from people to their neighbors. People refusing to give up. I would say Texans are pretty amazing in that regard. Very resilient. Just a don't quit attitude. Martin Luther King Jr. said one time, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. God asked me to just encourage people today. And in days prior to today and in the days to come, frankly. But especially today. The word encourage means to inspire with hope. Courage. Or confidence. And if you know Jesus. You have many reasons to always be encouraged. To have hope and courage and confidence. Even in the midst of the storms of our life. And great adversity. And I want to share with you today. From the book of Luke. If you would turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 8. Or your favorite device. Luke chapter 8, the 22nd through the 25th verse. This is uh, where Jesus calms a storm, and many of us are familiar with this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. I just want to give you a little bit of foreground on this. This was a day that started out pretty good for Jesus and his followers. He That morning he healed a demonized man. He was possessed. And Jesus set him free. Then the people began to respond positively to Jesus. And as usual, the religious leaders of the day were uh, jealous of Jesus. And they began to accuse him. They accused Jesus of being evil. This is not uncommon (laughs) in our culture today. You see people criticizing men of God all the time. Whether it be of jealousy or just a lack of understanding or for something real. But Jesus wasn't evil and he ended up telling these jealous religious leaders... That 
only those who do God's will are really saved people. And then Jesus went on to teach parables about the kingdom of, of God. And, and toward the end of the day, I'm sure he was tired and he loaded up in a boat with his disciples. And this is where we enter into the story here in verse 22. One day, he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. Where did he say to go? To the other side of the lake. So they set out. Verse 23. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. Verse 24, and they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. In the book of Mark, it says, don't you care that we are (laughs) going to die? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased. And there was a calm. He would have just used one word that meant peace, be still. And that word is shalom. Then he said to them in verse 25, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waves, the water, and they obey him? Christians need to be encouraged today. And I just want to run through a few of the reasons that we should always be encouraged as Christians. I'll give you five quickly. The first one is that God is with you. That's a good reason, isn't it? Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. This is an instruction to us. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Who's them? Who's them? The enemies he was talking about in the Old Testament. Who are our enemies? They're not people, are they? It seems like they are because the devil is always trying to find somebody to hate you through. He's even given entire news networks Basically, the devil with a microphone. But it's not the people. It's the devil that makes people act the way they do. But God says here, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Now, there's a precious promise for you. Doesn't our Bible teach us that God will never leave us or forsake us? That is a beautiful thing. We can take courage then because we aren't facing our challenges alone. God, the creator of the universe, is right there with you through it all. He's never far away or uninvolved. He's not mailing it in, as it were. When we don't know what to do, He does. He's never tired. He's never weary. He never takes a break. It might look like he's asleep on the job. But believe me, he's in control of everything regarding you 
whenever you allow him to be or stand in faith. The second thing is that you should be encouraged because God has a plan for you. Acts 23, around the 11th verse, this is when the Apostle Paul was in prison. One of the times he was in prison. And he had testified all day and even got slapped in the mouth because he said the wrong thing to the wrong leader of the Jewish community. But Paul had testified all day in Jerusalem about Jesus and about his conversion and about the truth. And it looked bad for him. He was in prison and they may have been ready to kill him as far as he knew. But the Lord appeared to him at night. Acts 23, 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. God didn't say, I'm letting you out of prison. He didn't fix everything. But how was Paul encouraged in this situation? Well, for starters, he knew they weren't going to come lop his head off that night because he had to travel to Rome yet and give his testimony to preach the gospel, basically. That hadn't happened yet, so he could feel confident that he had a little time left. Nothing else. But I tell you this, the most important and encouraging thing to him, I guarantee you, was that he knew he was in the will of God. There's nothing more powerful than purpose. And God has a plan for each and every one of us. All of his children. And we will fulfill that plan if we allow him to work through us. We don't have to figure out or fulfill some destiny of our own making. But we do need to be close to the Lord. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now there's another beautiful promise for you to hang on to. As we seek God and renew our minds according to the word, agree with God and find out what pleases God. Isn't that what it says? Ephesians 5.10. Find out what pleases God. That means we're able to do that. And we pursue his plan. Then God is accomplishing his work through us and he never fails to complete his plans. Philippians 1 6 says, Paul said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's going to complete the good work he began in you. He's got a plan for you. And if you press in and seek him regarding your life, you don't ever have to worry about him failing you. The third thing I want to mention the a wonderful reason to be encouraged as a Christian is because Jesus has overcome this world. 
and therefore so have you. John 16.33 says, I have said these things to you, this is Jesus speaking, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There's going to be problems. But you will have peace. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the reason. Jesus said, we will have tribulation in this world. We shouldn't be surprised by that. If we look only at this world, though, we will lose heart. But we can take heart and take courage because Jesus is greater than the world and he's already overcome it. Nothing in this world can defeat our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's overcome the world for us. Those he redeemed. The fourth thing is because nothing can separate us from God's love. And this is probably the most powerful thing in our day-to-day lives. Having a revelation of God's love for us. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Romans 8.38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter what we're going through, we can be assured that it hasn't separated us from Christ's love for us. And if He loves us, then we can take heart that He will protect us, provide for us, guide us, and help us. Amen? Nothing in all creation can separate us from His love. Whether we lose our jobs or our homes or our cars or even our loved ones. Jesus will hold us in His love and never let us go. And that should be encouraging to us. John fourteen twenty seven, my favorite scripture. On that faithful night, Jesus said, Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. His own peace he gave to us as a personal gift. And he said I'll never take it away. So whenever we start to feel like we're losing that peace. We just need to complete the scripture and follow his instructions. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid. That's our part. Whenever fear or trouble or anxiety tries to come upon us, we have to suppress that and just trust in him and let his peace flow in our hearts and minds. Amen. So we can take courage because the things that really matter cannot be taken away. His love, his peace. His salvation. Which brings up my next point. Number five. We should be encouraged because God himself will strengthen us. Isaiah 12, 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust 
and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And again, in Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's awesome. God himself making specific promises regarding you. And the things that he will do for you in times of need when you put your trust in him. We don't have to somehow summon up the strength from within ourselves. If we don't think we have the strength to make it through, well, truthfully, we're absolutely right. We don't. We don't have the strength to part the Red Sea. Or be cheerful in the midst of flash floods and tornadoes. But God does. In our natural selves, we don't have the strength to raise the dead or heal the sick. But God has placed the same power that raised Christ from the dead inside of each one of us that belong to Him. And when we operate in faith, He will exert this strength and power through us. Isaiah 40.31 is another beautiful scripture. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not be faint. You know, one of the biggest enemies of God's children. Condemnation. Condemnation. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 real quick. And I want to try to fix that. Although it has to come by revelation. But I want to give you some truth. Regarding the condemnation and the guilt. And all these things that the enemy puts on people. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Say, I am Holy Ghost powered. (laughs) The devil has no claim on you. Not even this mortal body. Praise God. Galatians 3.13 goes on to say that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So, So sin was put upon the flesh of Jesus on the cross and God poured out His wrath on that body until it was completely exhausted, punishing Jesus on the cross for all of our sin. For cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. So is sin still deadly? Of course it is. Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith, Christians. Condemnation is a bad, bad thing. And it's the devil who brings condemnation, not God. Something that's condemned is, is, is basically unfit for use. You see in a building that's condemned, it's just... It has to be torn down and, and destroyed. It's disqualified from, from being of any uh, useful purpose anymore. Undeserving of God's love is, is the condemnation that the devil tries to bring on Christians. But in Christ, we get what we don't deserve. That is what grace is. I, I always I always shudder when I tell people it's talking about what they deserve, getting what they deserve. Believe me, we don't want what we deserve. <laughs> we want what Jesus deserves. <laughs> and that's what He's given us as a free gift. Amen? The love of God is by the grace of God. He loves us not because we are lovely, but because He is love. The goodness of God, the blessings of God, the promises of God, the benefits of God are the grace of God. And they're not anything that we deserve. If we deserve it, if we think we've earned it, then then it's not grace anymore. Not getting what you do deserve, on the other hand, is mercy. The wrath of God. Hell, that's because God is merciful that we don't get those things. The forgiveness of God is because of His mercy. But if we sow to the flesh, we will still reap corruption. So yes, sin is still deadly. But listen, because of the grace of God, that now we're entitled to some things that we didn't earn, we can begin to Pray and repent and basically dig up some of that seed that we've planted in corruption and believe for crop failure. 
Amen. In other words, just because we're entitled to be to reap corruption because we've sown to the flesh. Now we can run to our Lord and Savior. We can run right into the throne room of God and say, Lord, I screwed up right there. And I just want to fix this with you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that that you paid the price for my sin and I, I repent. I don't want to. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt others. I don't want to hurt myself. I, I'm sorry about that. It's that easy. It's just talk. That's how I would talk to him. You talk to him the way you would talk to him. He, he knows you. No sense in being something you're not. No sense in going to God and speaking in the King James English. <laughs> he, would, he would think that was really silly. Because He knows us and He loves us anyway. Amen? Amen. So the devil is the one that tries to, to get us to believe that we're not loved. That's the point. It's not God. That we're not blessed. That we're not useful. This is one of the things that I'm getting from people right now. After the storm. Nobody feels like they're doing enough. If you're not out there on the boat rescuing people off the third floor or in a helicopter, I've, people just feel like they're just they feel guilty for some reason. I need to be doing more. <laughs> and listen, you know, God prepared good works for us to do. We are supposed to do good and Christians everywhere are just doing everything they can. And the fact that we want to do good is a good thing. The fact that When God puts it in front of us and he will give you opportunities to serve. And when it's in front of you, do it if you can. But when that guilt and unworthiness starts weighing on you, that's the devil trying to inch into there and take advantage of the situation. That's never God. Condemnation is never, never God. When, when he brings in guilt and Makes you think that you're not useful or worthy. And we have to deal with this condemnation. Or the devil will keep his foot on our neck and keep us down all the time. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help y'all today with this. God's not making you feel condemned. Remember that. He doesn't love you because you're lovely. He loves you because he is love. And because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Jesus has redeemed you. He paid with the precious, his precious blood, which is more valuable than anything. And so he's not condemning you. And you have to get this by revelation. But if you're ever feeling condemned and guilty and unworthy and all that, take it to the Lord and ask him to help you to have revelation, understanding of this. So that you can know how much he loves you no matter what. So that you can run the devil off when he tries to bring this on you. A revelation... Uh, 1210 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, not God. Okay, there's a difference now between condemnation and conviction. The Holy Spirit will chasten or convict you in love. Now, this is the how the how you can tell the difference between between the two. Condemnation is always going to be pushing you down. And pulling you away from God. And you know by that that it's not God. Conviction 
that is from God always lifts you up, even when you're in error, and draws you to God and tells you He loves you and that He's going to that He'll work with you through this together. You see, I'm going to move on, but that's that's some good stuff. Maybe go back and listen to this, and you can. Pray about it and let God help you in this regard because it's it's one of the things that really Christians struggle with a lot. What are I did a message on this not too long ago. There were there are lots of different sources of condemnation. But sometimes the devil is, is the main one. The, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so you need to learn how to recognize his attempts so you can reject it. But also our own hearts will condemn us from time to time. And when that happens, we just need to run to God and spend time with Him and do what I just explained to you, repenting and talking to God about things so you know that it's dealt with because Jesus has paid for that, right? First John three nineteen, And then our own conscience will condemn us other times. And then other people will condemn us, even Christians, unfortunately. So you need to be aware of all these tactics and learn how to deal with it. Because the Christian life is full with it, full of it, and the and the devil's using all those different avenues to make inroads into your life, and it's really just to keep you inactive. His first job is to keep you from ever calling Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and being saved. And if he can't stop you from doing that, then he just switches gears and tries to keep you from being productive in your service to the kingdom. Amen. Make you feel unworthy, so you won't try. But we need to believe, to believe the word, to trust God and don't doubt. We need to have a heavenly perspective and remember that our home is in heaven and that God, that Jesus has overcome this world. And there's nothing here that he can't defeat and hasn't already, actually. And we need to have a relationship with God. We need to know God and stay close to him. Otherwise, we'll have a hard time in a crisis situation. And we need to learn to rely on the Word of God because it is the sword of the Spirit. Amen? Ephesians six seventeen. Last week we didn't have church because the storm was raging all around us on Sunday and it wasn't safe to travel. So I recorded the message in my office at home up in the, my second floor office, which is an old bed, one of the kids' old bedrooms I made into office. I call it my tree house because we have two oak trees in front, and when I open the windows, uh, it's like I'm up in the treetops. <laughs> so I was sitting up there, and I recorded that message, and it was about being sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And I just wanted to touch on that, and then we're going to finish here today. But in Luke chapter 6, Verses 46 through 49. And I feel like there are people that are going to listen to this message. That really need to make their calling and election sure. So I want to talk about this. To be sure that all these benefits and this comfort and encouragement and courage and love. That I've been talking about that belongs to the Christian today. Is everyone's. Because it's available to everyone. But it doesn't just automatically apply to every person that is born. Amen. You have to be born again. (laughs) So... Jesus in chapter 6 of Luke, the 46th through the 49th verse, talked about building your house on a rock. And now this is a spiritual uh, picture, type and shadow, but uh, I'm sure it has a lot of archaeological benefits today as well. (laughs) But we're talking about our spiritual house. 
Verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? This is Jesus. And not do what I tell you. This is right to right in our face. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them, the words he speaks, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Again, Matthew 7 Verses 21 through 23, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Mark 3, 31 through 35. This is one day when Jesus' own brothers and family, his mother and brothers and sisters came to a place he was preaching. They tried to get him out of there. They kind of thought he was losing it says here in verse 31, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Look what he said. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God He is my brother and sister and mother. I'm trying to make a point here. Do you get it? (laughs) John 6, 29 tells us what he's talking about when he says, do the will of our Father in heaven. Because they asked him, what do we need to do to do the work that God requires? And Jesus said to them, this is the work of God. That you believe in Him whom He sent. And I could preach a week on what it really means to believe in Him. But I think He just described it pretty well. Those who not only hear His words, but who listen to them and, and do what He says. Those are the ones that really belong to Him. Listen, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter to God or in a way that is unpleasing to God. In other words, the ends do not necessarily justify the means. God looks upon the heart. But if God is your partner then make your plans big. Because all things are possible with God, aren't they? We don't ever want to let our memories be greater than our dreams. No matter what. Because we have God with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's overcome the world. And He will strengthen us and provide for us. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
I want to pray for those who may not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today. If there be anyone listening to this message in the future. God loves you and he's for you. And when Jesus bled and died on the cross, it was for you just like it was for me. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's no one better than anyone else. And the rewards, whether you come to God as a child or at the last minutes of your life, the reward is the same. Salvation, eternal life in Christ. And all you have to do is believe in your heart and speak with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And that you believe God raised him from the dead and he died for your sins and you want him to be your Lord and Savior. If that's your prayer, just say amen right now and I believe you're saved. And now you just need to renew your mind through the washing of the water of the word of God. Just dive into the word of God and find anointed teachers and teachings that will help you to replace all of the trash and the garbage that Satan has put into your mind. And your way of thinking over the years. And begin to agree with God. And you're going to have a beautiful life. God has a plan for each and every one of us. Amen. To everyone today. I just want to say. That we know it has been tough. We love you. We are praying for you. And we believe in you. And with God. All things are possible. He has not forgotten you. And. We need to help you to stay close to Jesus. We'll pray for you. If there's anything that we can do, don't hesitate to let us know. And we'll try to help. But God is ready to meet you at your point of need. He's going to meet you where you are in order to take you where he wants you to be. Amen. He's got a plan. And he wants you to get on board. Get on his boat. Amen. And let him take you to safety. So just let God's promises shine on your problems. And remember, Christians, you may be the only Bible that some non-believer will ever read. So let your light shine bright, especially in these times. Amen. Amen. You receive it today. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you so much for your love, for your mercy, for your plan for our lives, for your salvation, for strengthening strengthening us and encouraging us. And providing so well for us. And mostly just for loving us. And always being there for us. In Jesus name. Amen.